0: Welcome to the ProcureTech Podcast, bringing insight and inspiration into how digital technology is shaping our profession. I'm your host, James Meads, tea drinker, expat, and <laughs> definitely not your typical consultant. Yes, greetings and hello. Welcome to another edition of the ProcureTech Podcast where every week we bring you stories, insights, and inspiration from everything that's happening in the digital procurement space. And this week we're looking at something that is integral to every procurement department, and that is an efficient P2P process and a healthy spend culture. So today's guests are gonna talk a lot about this because it really is their reason to exist. So I'm joined today on the ProcureTech podcast by Amund Mann from Procurify. And Procurify are a Canadian startup with a focus on P2P software for medium-sized businesses and rapidly scaling startups. So I'd like to extend a warm welcome to the show.
1: Thanks, James. Great to be here and to be here to, around your audience.
0: Fantastic. Okay, so just a quick one before we get started. Full disclosure, I recently joined up to be a partner of Procureify because I personally think it's a great product. I love the UX and it really speaks to what I'm trying to do out there with my own consulting services, which is removing processed waste to fee- to free up people's time to really spend on core activities, both as procurement professionals and as anyone in the whole buy to pay, procure to pay process that has to do anything like requisitioning, receiving, processing invoices, all that lovely stuff that can take up a lot of admin time and be a real drag on company's efficiency, really. So in today's podcast, we're going to talk all about spend culture. I guess we all have different thoughts and opinions and perceptions of what that could be. So maybe if you could then just start just briefly walk us through in your eyes, what you see as being a good corporate spend culture And the second part of that question would be, where have you seen it historically go wrong?
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's interesting. Ben culture is truly just an arm of culture itself in the organization. And, you know, we have this idolized version of cultures that we look at in the world. Like, you know, how did Amazon get to become Amazon? How did Google get to become Google? And, you know, people really strive to understand their organization and how it operates. And, you know, we come down to some very simple principles just around the idea of being nimble and allowing for autonomy in the organization and for the ability to create efficiency and effectiveness throughout their processes. And, you know, what I find with organizations is they strive for this culture, but there's their processes inside their organizations they're not paying attention to. And one of those areas is spend. And how you spend is actually a critical component to achieving that nimbleness, the autonomy, empowering your organization to be more innovative and to create collaboration. Again, without that process, you find a lot of hindrances creating the organizational culture. So what we like to do is call it spend culture because that allows you to think about spend as a way to leverage and improve and, and think about your overall organization. And so what we do is we uh, you know, look at instead of spend being what I find in those organizations that don't do it successful, really create control around spend versus the understanding of how you leverage and value spend. And so it becomes very reactive in organizations. But if you can think about spend as a backbone to seeing your organization, again, through those core principles of being empowered and creating autonomy and obviously bringing that nimbleness, then you can leverage that and create a, a holistic uh, environment that that is leveraging again, that sticky place that we find, which is spend, make it a proactive thing inside the organization about how to look at it. And we find that, you know, spend culture then becomes an essence inside this organization through thinking about it of how do we best leverage the idea where, you know, we have to spend money for the right reasons, and that it gets used in the right way to make sure the team is successful in their goals for the company. And in companies where that doesn't work, you know, you'll find that they typically... A last ditch effort to pay attention to spend inside their company. They haven't paid attention to it and something goes terribly wrong and they have to go into layoffs and they have to do, you know, shut down projects. And, you know, it it creates a lot of chaos and unfortunate events inside the organization. And even the ones that are less impacted by those reactive decisions, you still have bottlenecks. You still have really... Uh, redundant and slow processes inside the organization, siloed data. So you have no idea where you're spending your money, how you're spending your money. Is it impacting the organization in the right way? Is it supporting everyone to achieve their goals? Usually it's really fractured inside the organization. So you have a lot of interesting components to spend because people can think about it as, as a very simple aspect of, oh, we just have to go buy something. But if you really look at it organizationally, impacts every individual in their ability to achieve their goals.
0: And I think the key word for me certainly is transparency rather than control. And I like to really differentiate those two because you can have spend transparency and create a good company culture around that where everyone can see what's being spent and understand what the budgets are and how much is left to spend until the end of the year without being sort of super controlling around what gets spent and the level of authorization that's required to make relatively simple purchases. Because... I mean, I guess anyone that's worked in procurement or any or anyone that's worked in any organization that's has to had to request budget approval for something knows that sometimes policies can be a little bit nitpicky in terms of the amount of control and authorization that's required to to purchase relatively simple things. You know, I'm talking about things like travel requests or if you submit your travel expenses and you boss questions why a taxi was $20 instead of 10. We've all been there and we've all got stories of this, you know, bureaucracy gone mad to to a certain extent. So, you know, transparency is a big one for me. And I think part of that is if you make the process easy and user friendly and very understandable, it's easier then to get buy-in and for people to use it and actually embrace it rather than you know, if you put a stupid rule and it creates stupid people, is always a is always a phrase that I <laughs> use. But it it avoids them people trying to bypass the system and and figure out workarounds. And I think part of that is, you know, sort of getting onto a little bit of what you guys are doing with with your software. It is around the experience and how easy the system is to use and. And, you know, training goes hand in hand with that. But the the holy grail is having a system that's so easy to use that it doesn't really require much training. You know, you don't need to be a super user to be able to, you know, learn how to use it in a couple of hours.
1: I love what you said there, and I appreciate that very much when you say the word transparency. You know, when I think about culture, the idea behind these better processes, effective and, uh, again, efficiency, the aspect of transparency is so critical to that because that's how organizations move very fast, and it creates a lot of trust. And what happens with trust, then you have a lot less trust Policy and bureaucracy, which then allows again people to move very nimbly and fast through their organization. And I absolutely agree with what you said. And you know, when you think about more of the tactical aspect of our product to spend culture, it is based on how do users interact? How do they achieve their goals? So you want to create a process inside an organization again, like you said, that you don't have to bypass to achieve success. And you know, that's where if you don't pay attention to it you then create this very ad hoc process that people you know won't stick to and if you use these traditional mindset systems that are very unuser friendly then they will look at bypassing these systems so it's so important to build that user centric approach to these processes so that people commit and then you again you get that transparency by people continuously using it and that information being not siloed and sitting in in a central unit so that people can start making much smarter decisions over time
0: so you touched on a couple of things there in terms of what can be missing from organizational structure or company culture or what what are some of the root causes of, ha- of how spend can be uncontrolled. And you mentioned you know usability of, of, of software and you mentioned not having excessive bureaucracy or sort of suffocating levels of control. But what else has to be in place? What, what else can be a root cause of, of having an uncontrolled spend versus what I would call maybe a, hel- a healthy control or a transparency? or a more pragmatic view where everyone can see with their own eyes you know what's what's left in the pot and how much they've spent year to date.
1: Well, you know this is probably a, a specific one to your user audience or more in procurement. I think it's been overshadowed and undervalued when you don't leverage your team in a way that says they're the strategic partner to your organization. I find you miss out on a lot of value they can bring and they are there to bring value, not to be task oriented, You know, stuck in the filing and the, the paperwork with all the traditional mindset of, of managing procurement. But if you create the right process, then what you can do is actually leverage these really brilliant minds to help the organization create much more deep, enriched efficiencies. And I think procurement and purchasing and how you look at it, I think, is evolving. So we have to, one, look at how that's evolving inside organizations so we can take a better stance inside uh, the organization for for strategic purposes. But at the same time, uh, the organization has to be able to value and leverage these individuals and the process itself. It's got immense value when done correctly. And the way we look at these processes is so critical because people, process and systems, right? You get the right system in place. Great. You have an improved process. Great. But if we can't create the right type of buy-in and change management inside these organizations, then, then inevitably it all just fails. It all falls apart. So you really need to be critical at all three of those pillars and, and what that means for the organization. And this is why spend and culture go together, because if we're not thinking about the culture, our people, then we won't be truly leveraging the minds to be successful in that process and system.
0: And I think when we talk about P2P software, whereas if you're if you're talking about RFQ software or tendering or bid software, that's usually about driving hard savings. Whereas with the P2P tool, certainly in my opinion, you may disagree here, but it tends to be around more cost avoidance in terms of, you know, avoiding costs at the point of purchase by making it transparent to go out and get more than one quote or getting procurement involved in the process earlier through facilitation and ease of use of the systems, but also, as you quite rightly mentioned, an avoidance of operational waste through having a more nimble system. So if we think about what you've created with Procurify, how does it address both of those points?
1: yeah, absolutely, and that's the idea behind bringing all of it under the the transparency tree right because that brings visibility into how the organization is operating and i think majority you know of these organizations actually don't have a true enriched understanding of their spend and so you really can't capitalize on that tendering or that RFQ process because you actually don't have a full picture now it's the the individual who's going through that process is doing their best to gather whatever information they can but typically the systems are broken to bring information to that individual uh, to give them the right information in their hands and to deliver it out and you know create that cost savings. So by bringing it under uh, that transparency tree and and bringing visibility to the organization or that individual and having everyone use it continuously, it, it, one, brings so much enriched data into your line of sight that, that you can leverage at whatever role and position you are. And so I'm a purchasing or procurement person. I can take such sophisticated data that I'm gathering from every endpoint of the organization who's using it to then go take it out and create great cost savings that I think weren't relatively visible prior to having a more centralized place for spend. And then for the rest of the organization, I I, I do consider it, yes, you're being cost protective and you're being proactive about that. But I also think inherently by having a process and system that people are wanting to use, they will inherently start thinking about what they're doing and why they're doing it a lot more. And so they'll be more present in the decision to say, do I need this before they even go through with the process? So you're creating time savings, you're creating cost savings, you're creating a better habit inside your organization, which creates better culture. And again, the more you use it, the more data you consume into a centralized point, it's transparent and then can deliver that to your team that can go out and create much higher valued cost savings.
0: So it not only avoids or reduces Maverick Spend, so it also, going back to the original point of spend culture, it enables a, a user or a requisitioner to almost at the click of a couple of buttons to be able to see in a very easy to read and understand format what they've purchased or what their departmental budget has remaining on it until the end of the month or the end of the year, whereas in more traditional ERP systems... Often the system will sort of scratch its head, scratch its head, and say no if you don't enter the exact command that it's waiting for, and and, and enter the right data in in a front end interface that that really genuinely feels like it's twenty years old. So and, and it is in some cases, <laughs> yeah. So just a quick interlude before we move on with the rest of the podcast just to say that if you are a procurement leader or a finance leader in a manufacturing company and you're struggling to get to grips with your spend or you just maybe need an extra pair of hands to resolve a specific issue and drive some bottom line results just drop me a connection request on LinkedIn or just ping me an email to info at or just follow the link in the show notes to book a free 30-minute initial call with me so as I can learn more about your business and what I can do to help you. So now let's jump right back into the interview. Let's take an example of a company that has no existing ERP system. And I'm thinking here maybe of a a very rapidly growing startup, because I know that's an industry that you've been successful selling into versus a more established company that perhaps has an ERP system in place, one of the traditional ones like maybe SAP or Oracle or or maybe something a little bit more in between and modern like NetSuite how much time do you think on average having a solution such as yours or, or even a competitor's would would save organizations in their P2P cycle from a sort of more traditional ERP system or no ERP system?
1: Continuously, I hear a good average is a few weeks at least. So, what ends up happening through that few weeks is I'm going to request something. It then has to get approved in you know multitude of different fashions, whether you know paper based or even email or phone calls. You've got these different Excel spreadsheets going, and then it's got to get to the the procurement or purchasing team, or maybe I've got to find a way to go get it myself, and then I've got to receive that item. And once it's all you know said and done, you're you know you're you're looking at weeks to months before you have it. And then sometimes you know the worst case I've seen is like you know, individuals who are in in an engineering, you know, architecture company who are time is of the essence. And, you know, sometimes they get stopped because uh, an item didn't get purchased inside the organization. However, it was purchased months ago and it was just sitting unreceived inside the organization at the the, the shipping and receiving side of things, you know, or sitting at the front desk and um, that individual just didn't know it arrived. And so you have all these different processes, but, you know, you definitely save an immense amount of time inside these organizations but what i find is you know really the root of all of this right like what are these individuals trying to do whether you're a small team and if you're a, in a traditional organization so if you're in a small team and and i'll i'll relate this again to the traditional companies as well you know you're you've been you've been hired or brought on board one because maybe you love the organization and what it stands for maybe what they're building or you've been hired because you love the role and the responsibility you have. And in that role and responsibility you have, you're trying to achieve a goal for the company. You're trying to help the organization move forward. You're trying to help them succeed. So inherently, everyone in the company is trying to help the organization succeed. Now, in a small growing startup that that's accelerating fast, they typically are more uh, loose and, and wild with their processes because they're trying to adjust for every changing time you know, the organization looks different every six months, typically as a scaling startup. And so when you're in that process, you're just, you're ad hoc, you're putting things pieces together. So you're moving fast, but your, your processes are typically broken and you're not getting the full understanding of sometimes the picture, but you're still moving fast, but you're going to, you're going to make mistakes along the way. Now, at some point, you really have to be critical and thinking about that, the right system and process to achieve the results with the least amount of negative effect and mistakes. So it's important to start thinking early So you don't become the later stage companies. So what happens in a later stage company, you still have people that are on board to help the company succeed and build for the brand because they love building the products that this organization is building or or in service of. And they're either in love with their or passionate about their responsibility and role, or they wish to be passionate about their responsibility and role. However, they have a much different landscape because they're not moving fast and it's not a company that can break their processes on a regular basis. They're entrenched in their process and systems that they have. So basically you're sitting there trying to get the company moving forward, but you're layered on with all these processes and systems that were done at a much earlier time and just scarred into the company. And so now it's just, this is the way it is. This is the way it's done. So these organizations are just, uh, these individuals in these organizations are struggling to help the organization succeed because they're now limited by the process and system they're using and typically these massive enterprise products that are in place aren't there to help the individual succeed they're sold because it creates safety for the organization in some degrees but but inherently it actually is the opposite of safety. There's so much risk with enterprise products, um, you know, and the traditional really entrenched ones where you can't adjust your process. You can't improve the way the organization needs to use it. So you're really stuck in the in, in a certain set of uh, rules. And that's really unfortunate because, again, the individual is trying to help the organization succeed, but they can't because, again, they're in they're the entrenched processes and systems that are there. Like I won't name the enterprise names, but let's just say they're very difficult and they are incumbent in the way they think about the user who's trying to help the organization succeed.
0: Yeah I couldn't I couldn't have said it better myself and I think you you touched on a really great point there that it's it's almost like two polarized models isn't it That in a in a rapidly growing startup or scale up it's like whoa easy tiger you, you can't just go out and spend money without some sort of control whereas in whereas yeah in the established businesses you have got these big legacy systems and And, you know, maybe I'll be a bit more generous to them. You know, they're great at an enterprise level of managing your business, but but they just historically have never really served procurement. They've served goods receiving and and transactional purchasing, but they've never actually served what a strategic procurement department nowadays needs to do. I mean, in in one of those legacy ERP systems, which we won't name, there is no standard report to just go in there at the click of a button and tell me what I've spent with all my suppliers over X period of time. It has to be a report that's programmed uh, as a specific report to do that. One of the things when you implement a P2P system new into an organization, especially if I'm thinking here more about established businesses rather than the ones that have less process control in place, but one of the, I guess, frequently grappled with issues is what do you do if you've got an existing ERP system? Because Procurify and, and sort of similar products that are out there on the market in terms of the range of transactions and and steps in the process that they can do can manage it up until the invoice is booked on the system and released for payment. But if an ERP system has a finance module, then I guess in a lot of cases, it's with what you're doing, it's brought in to facilitate and simplify the actual procurement or the purchasing segment. But once an invoice is received, organizations may want to go back and use their traditional ERP system. So what are the pros and cons of doing that or not doing that, both in terms of IT resource and cost, but also in terms of process visibility and transparency within one system?
1: You know, ten years ago the landscape was much different than it is today, because now even when we think of the IT team, now you know they've got a completely different reference point of how they're helping the organization, and I and I believe they're now helping the organization move into the new generation of things and. So what's happening is you have these ERP systems that you know. Yes, at the center core, if you're doing manufacturing and those kind of things, and the MRP process, you're going to use a pretty sophisticated ERP system. You know, you're going to have your planning, um, scheduling, and everything inside of this this product, and it's going to be core at the uh, finance degree, right? Like you're going to have your core core finance structural components inside of this thing. So, what I'm finding is it's more becoming a behind the scenes product, and sitting maybe deeper into a corner. And what you're finding now is uh, more enriched, user friendly, simplistic products, um, uh, you know, more based in SaaS that are now overlaid on top of these systems. And so the IT team is there to, you know, reference and understand SaaS products like Procurify and and, and others into saying, does this have the right integration piece, security piece? So they're they're more protecting the company and looking out for um, the overall architecture of the organization. And now Supporting the organization to move to the new age, which is best in breed or bolting onto this ERP, the the products that really leverage uh, the organization's needs, right? And so many products are going to sit on top of these ERP systems today. And moving forward, you'll see that ERP system really be pushed into a corner And there to still support and do its job, but you're going to see now more systems overlaid on top of that, that are integrated and connecting workflows and processes into it. So people will either want to use components of the ERP and and the modules that they may have, and they may reduce some of those modules over time, or they may use those modules and then amplify them by using other products, such as and other things that are out there to to be uh, really beneficial for them in their specific needs.
0: And I think ERP systems, in some cases, can do the same functions as some of these best-in-breed tools, but they just don't do them very well. But in other cases, they don't do them at all. You know, I'm thinking the obvious example I'm thinking of is yeah. is contract management and, and savings reporting. They're the two that immediately spring oh, to mind. Yeah. But, but yeah, I mean, our RFQs and P2P. They do them, they just don't do them particularly well. The The last question that I had for you, this is kind of more out of curiosity from my side rather than anything else, but mobile apps, travel and expense solutions have had these for years and years and years, and yet for for simple procure-to-pay things like acceptance of requisitions or goods receipt or approvals of, of invoice or request to spend, that's You know, it's only been fairly recently that that's become more mainstream. Is that just because it's a lot trickier to develop the technology to do that on a mobile app than it is for some for some travel and expense software?
1: Yeah, that's a a great question. So, you know, something I'll relate back to the last conversation we just had about ERP systems. So, you know, you talked about, you know, whether they have even have these modules or not, and, uh, you know, whether they care about the user experience. And I'll relate one thing, which is cost, right? Um, your cost to this ERP system user licensing is so phenomenally expensive that you don't want to grow your processes with this ERP in the organization, which is why things up become ad hoc over time because you're not increasing your user license base in these ERP systems. Again, their costs are just, you know, astronomical. And then you add on the layers of difficult to use. And then you've got a great recipe for, you know, <laughs> a difficult time. And you know, when you look at the mobile aspect, that plays a part within that realm as well, right? ERP systems inherently are way too complex and difficult to relate a mobile application. They, they didn't build with mobile in mind. So it's very right. difficult for them to be able to just, if they're gonna build it, they're gonna build you something really terrible because it's not something that was first of mind into their product. And they most of the time don't bother building that because they know they're not gonna get that engagement into that side. And so for Procurify, we wanted to build the user in mind as one of our centers and core. So, you know, you, you look at personal computer, it actually is your smartphone, right? And over time, you'll see more and more sophistication being able to be accomplished on your mobile phone because people will move away. They've started to move away from desktop, you know, single unit to now a static place to a laptop where you're more mobile, then they'll start moving to phones. It does take a degree of finesse and elegance into being able to deliver the power and functionality that's required for an organization and try to simplify that for a mobile application. So one, it's not easy to do. Two, you, you, you will not have had that part of your architecture if you're you know, a traditional company. And three, yes, it does take a lot of effort and time and cost into investing into delivering a product that organizations can use there.
0: Yeah, it kind of reminds me of how long it takes us in Europe to build a new railway line, and you look at what they've done in China in the last fifteen years or twenty years, and it's it's kind of a similar thing, right? And uh, when when yes. when you it's it's the same comparison when you look at a traditional ERP system and trying to make that more mobile friendly because the architecture is already there, it's aging, you've got loads of stuff built on it, as opposed to going to a completely greenfield project.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: If anyone would like to learn more about yourselves, where is the best place to find you?
1: For me, I really appreciate, again, the time, James, that we're talking about, I think, important factors of, you know, my my excitement here, I'll tell you what my excitement, uh, sorry, I'm probably going to uh, sideswipe this question a little bit, because, you know, I don't want to necessarily just move into, hey, look for procureify, But, you know, I really want to see organizations succeed. And I, our entire team is invested in, in wanting to see organizations succeed and help help improve their world, you know, achieve their mission to success for their organization, because everyone's buying in to have a purpose in their life and to have a responsibility in an organization. And our, our goal is to really, you know, help organizations manifest that into reality. And, you know, our product is just a component of that. And, you know, I, I want, you know procurement purchasing uh, whether that's accounting whether the way we think of spend and money in a very difficult way i really want that to be brought to the forefront and say you know there's so much value of bringing these organizations and these processes uh, or these teams and these processes together and feel like they're waking up the with the right mindset, they're given the right tools, they're given the right processes, they have the right type of organization that's willing to invest in them and invest in breed processes. So for me, that's the real excitement behind that. And, you know, Procurify is just on a mission to help organizations succeed in that process. And, you know, if you do want to know more about Procurify, it is procurify.com, you know, that, that we have a lot of information and a great team, and you can reach out to us to, to find out more.
0: And if anyone wants to learn a little bit more and reach out to me as well, like I said, I'm, uh, I'm now a partner of Procurify and I can help out in terms of giving basic orientation or telling you a bit more about the product before hopefully arranging a demo. So the one thing to take away from this to anyone that's listening is make a process easy to use. And, and and make the experience enjoyable and people will adopt it. And really, spend culture, I guess, is is just about that. It's not about control, it's around transparency, it's about understanding what's out there and being able to pull that data at your fingertips and having a system in place that enables users to make the requests and process what they're trying to do without having to jump through hoops or do weeks and weeks of training to understand a complicated and quite frankly outdated system. So I think this is going to be even though you know there's there are plenty of providers out there that offer this type of software I think this is really going to be a growth area as time goes on as you know, operational procurement or purchasing roles become more defunct and as procurement departments are under more and more pressure to increase, improve their impact on the bottom line and become more of a business partner, we're all as department as a function going to have to move away from these more transactional administrative processes and Procurify is just one of those tools that can help you get there. Aman, thank you so much for joining us. It was a pleasure to have you on. Wish you all the best and yeah, good luck with your podcast as well. Maybe last plug, you also have a podcast called spend culture and I was also on it recently. So can, can everyone find that in Spotify and Apple podcasts and the usual podcast places?
1: Yes, absolutely. And thank you so much for being involved in that. We really appreciated the kindness with, you know, the conversation we had with you on that. So yeah, absolutely. You can find that in all the spots that podcasts are available. And, you know, hopefully get some uh, happy listeners from your end uh, on that. And I just want to say, James, wonderful I'll finish with articulation. You, you have some very elegant way of speaking and simplifying uh, your words. So I really appreciate the way. Uh, the way you describe things for organizations. Uh, it was a wonderful, wonderful chat. Thank you.
0: Thanks, Amant. My British friends wouldn't probably say that because I come from Birmingham and everyone says it's a horrible accent, but I'll take it <laughs> from, from, a, from a Canadian. I'll take that as a compliment. <laughs> Thanks very much. No. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers. Thank you, Jay. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the ProcureTech podcast. If you like the show, then please subscribe or even better, Why not write us a quick review on Apple Podcasts? It would not only really make my day, but it would also help our mission to enable procurement and finance leaders to become more data driven through the power of digital transformation.